standing for the reading of God's word. If you believe that Jesus is coming again, say amen. amen. And we're going to be preaching, uh, touched on that for sure this morning here. But Revelation chapter 1 this morning, we have just three verses of scripture this morning. So we, instead of responsibly, we'll read in unison this morning. Revelation chapter 1, we'd like to read the first three verses of the chapter, verses 1, 2, and 3. Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And reading together in unison, ready, begin. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all the things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. May God have his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Heavenly Father, oh, once again, take these words, dear God, these familiar words to many Christians. Speak to our hearts afresh and anew, we pray. Lord, speak to every heart. Lord, we pray for those that need to receive Christ as their Savior. Bless the children downstairs in junior church and beginner church. And bless the adults as well. May it be said by all that it was good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Thank you for how you're working in our hearts even right, or even right now and pray that you would be honored and glorified in all that's said and done now. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated. Revelation chapter 1 this morning and uh, familiar verses of Scripture, of course, the first three verses of the apocalypse or the revelation of Jesus Christ. And uh, we have one text verse, as my custom is. We preach from one, one verse particularly. It's verse number 3, but I'd like to read verse number 1 one more time. Verse 2, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. Wave introduction, I want to draw your attention to the book. It's found in verse number one, of course. The Bible says it's the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. The apocalypse, again, the unveiling, the revealing of Jesus Christ in the end times. The Bible says, which God gave unto him, gave to Jesus, to show unto his servants, that's you and I. He that hath an ear to hear this morning, let him hear. He that has mind, mind, hears mind that hath wisdom. And uh, if you're the mysteries of the Word of God are not to be mysteries to God's people. I'm talking to his servants by and large this morning. If you've received Christ as your Savior, you're one of his servants. This book was written to his servants. That, and the Bible says, uh, the, uh, servants, things which must shortly, the idea is the things which must surely come to pass that rapidly or quickly come to pass. For he sent his angel to signify of the sent signified it and by his angel unto his servant John the Revelator. So we see the book in verse number one. We see the background for a few moments in verse number two. It was John who bare record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ. He's the last of the apostles, and all the things that he saw. John's last of the apostles, of course, all the eleven, of course, Judas betrayed the Lord. The ten are dead. They've all died martyrs' deaths. He's banished in the Isle of Patmos, verse number nine of our text, of our chapter. 
It's on the Lord's Day, verse number 10. It's Sunday. He gets this revelation. It's unveiling of Jesus Christ. The background, the age is about, the, the, the year is about 90 A.D. Caesar Domitius is the Roman emperor. He's continued the reign of terror from terror of Nero in, uh, 30 years earlier. And uh, Nero burned Rome and blamed it on the Christians. Christians are taken to the stake. They're burned alive on, on stakes. They're, they're taken to the Colosseum for fodder for, uh, uh, to be fed to the lions. They're the enemy of the state. And so we see this bleak days. Jerusalem has already been sacked. It's been gone for 20 plus years as we know it. The temple, 43 years in building, Herod's temple is not one stone left on another. This is the context. This is the background. A.D. 90, the world was in turmoil, if you will. Rome, they called it the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. Ha ha. Rome ruled the world, and there was the one seat of government, of course, was Caesar. And there's no room for Christ. So we see the background to the book. We see the, the book itself, verse one, verse number 19. If you slide over there, verse chapter 1, we see the, the breakdown of the book, and it's found in one easy verse, verse 19. Write the things which thou hast seen. Revelation can easily be subdivided into the things which thou hast seen. That's Revelation chapter 1. And the things which are, that's Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, the seven churches of Asia Minor. And the things which shall be hereafter, that's Revelation 4.1 in the balance of the book, we're futurists. We believe in a coming world or a kingdom of Christ, a literal repairing of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so we see the book in verse 1, we see the background in verse number 2, the, the breakdown of the book in verse 19, but then the embrace in verse number 3. Blessed. Notice this special promise. That word blessed means happy. Those that are at peace, those that are assured, those that are comforted. The Bible says blessed, and it's nice to be blessed in troublous times. But blessed is he that readeth, a threefold blessing, and heareth it, and hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Incidentally, the word time there is normally the word in our Greek, in our, in our English Bible in the New Testament, it's the word, Greek word chronos. We get our word chronology from, of course. And obviously, it's talking about a time clock, about uh, things taking, going in chronology. This is not that word. This is a different word. This is the word terios, or teleos, or, or terios, rather, it is. Or, or, let me try that again, kerios, to be exact. This word means... For the time is at hand, for the sixth fixed season is at hand. Jesus knows the very hour and very moment and very day that he's coming back, and nothing shall stop that from coming. And he will come in his timing and, his, and when the fixed season is here. But I know a lot of things about Revelation. I don't mean to boast or brag, but in just a minute, I want to tell you what I know about the Revelation. It's the unveiling of Jesus Christ in his second appearing. It begins in the rapture of the church. The catching away that could happen in, the, in a moment in time when Christ comes back in the clouds and he takes us up in the, the air to the church of Jesus Christ, every believer in Christ. This world will be plunged into a seven-year coming tribulation period of time. I know this from the Revelation. There'll be two periods of Revelation, two periods of tribulation, the first three and a half years and the second three and a half years. And the first three and a half years will be, pardon the slang, hell on earth. But the second three and a half years will make the First three and a half years look like a Sunday school picnic, pardon the 
phrase. The Antichrist, the one world leader, will come on the scene and be fully unveiled in the middle of the tribulation hour. We know him as the beast or the Antichrist, the false prophet. An unholy trinity will come, and he, the world will worship him. They'll take, receive a mark of the beast. Do you think a virus is, you think a quarantine is going to be mandatory? Maybe it's so, but I'm going to tell you, a mark is coming that it's going to be, uh, be uh, mandatory to have, or you won't be able to buy or sell without it. I know this from the Revelation. Then I get to Revelation 19, and I know that one day the, the, the Church of Jesus Christ is coming back after seven years. He's coming back with, with the Lord Jesus on a white We're coming back on white horses, a great white horse right in the sky. And we're coming back to serve, and we're coming back as the armies of God. And we're coming back to this earth, and this world's going to be about to King Jesus, of course. The Antichrist is going to be thrown in prison for a thousand-year period of time. You say, how long is that thousand-year period of time? A thousand years. Amen. Revelation 20 talks about a thousand years of the coming millennial kingdom reign of Christ. And then after that, that Satan will be loose for a season. The Antichrist will be loose for a season. Tempt the nations one more time. And then the Bible says there will be a great white throne judgment and from whose face the heavens and earth flood away. All unsaved people will be judged at that great white throne judgment. Then we get to Revelation 22 and we see the, the heaven, a new heaven and a new earth. And uh, there's a lot of things I know about the Revelation. I'm a futurist, to use a canned name. I believe that these things are still yet to come. The time is at hand. This is a fixed season and God's spoken about. It'll surely come to pass. I know all of those things, but there's a lot of things I don't know. A lot of things I don't know, and this is not the message, but I don't know what's going to happen nine days from now. I don't know which way our country's going to go, choose. Well, I guess we'll all find out. Oh, if you know, you're, you're better off than you're smarter than I am, and you may be smarter than I am. I hope you're right if you're rooting for the right candidate and the right, right party, of course, and so forth. But uh, I don't know what's going to happen to America. I don't know if we're going to have an America left. I don't know if we have an America left. I don't know what about the virus is going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen about the vaccines. I don't know what's going to happen about you thought 2020 was bad. What's, what, if we make it 2021, what's 2021 going to be like? North Korea coming into the equation. Iran coming into the equation. Uh, China coming into the equation. Who knows uh, what, what might happen? Uh, there's a lot of things I don't know. And even though I know a lot about Revelation, I want to draw to our text and to our theme verses, verse number three. And once more, I want to draw attention to one word. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. I don't know much this morning, I admit it. The older I get, the less I know. The, the, I, I used to have everything figured out when I was a, a newbie preacher, when I was a novice preacher. I used to have all the answers. Now I don't know three-quarters of the questions any longer. I, it's, uh, the, the older you get, the, the more foolish you realize you are and how sophomoric and how freshman we really are in regards to all things to, to, to be known. There's a lot of things I don't know, but there are a few things I do know. And I, there's a few things that we're commanded to keep. And I'm going to give them to you this morning. At least four things that I do know about this morning. I know that I need to keep on number one this morning. According to John Revelator, the last of the apostles to be living. He's probably in his 90s. He's probably been boiled in a cauldron of hot oil. His, all his associates have been martyred, received beheading or speared through or uh, thrown off the pillar of the temple uh, mount. Uh, they've died horrible, horrific deaths. John's still alive. He's on Patmos. And he says, I, I only know one thing to do. His body's wrecked and ruined. 
He says, I know that I must fight the good fight of faith. I must keep on trying. No matter what happens, I must keep on trying. These days are, Brother McGee and Pastor Tony, I've preached to you guys in pastor churches before. This is, I can only speak for me. You guys do not in evangelism and mission work now, of course, but I think you'd concur with me. These are, this is the toughest year of my ministry in 35 years of ministry. This is the toughest year as a Christian to be in the work of God. To be, this is a year like no other year, and we've been saying it for the last eight, ten months, have we not? But I know this. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, 12, Keep, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I know I need to keep on fighting, no matter how hard it gets. And you say, well, you need to keep on trying. You say, preacher, what's it mean to keep on trying? Well, it means we need to keep on trying because we are under a command. Letter A on our worksheet. Jesus said, in fact, 22 times in Scripture you find this phrase, keep my commandments. Jesus said in John chapter 14, in verse number 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. The word commandments, so it's a dirty 12-letter word, I guess it is, or I didn't, thereabouts. <laughs> it's a word for st- standards, a, rule for, a word for rule, requirements. Uh, it's commandments, codes to live by, a moral code, an ethical code, a code of conduct. The Lord said, keep my commandments. And there are a list of commandments, of course, that we could talk about, and you say, preacher, we're under this age of grace. But in this age of grace, we are debtors uh, to Christ as never before. Who, who, who owes more than one that under command or under, under grace? I say us that are under grace that even uh, need to touch allegiance even more to God, godly Lord. We need to keep his commandments in regards to church. Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see day, day approaching. I'll be as kind as I can be with this here. And I've, I was talking to several of our senior citizens this week on the, by way of telephone, of course, and so forth. And some of them I do not want in church. I don't want them to come. I don't, and they, they're, they're, not, they're not coming. They're, they're, their immune system is compromised. We've been talking about this for months on end. But I do see a lot of people at Price Chopper when I go to Price Chopper. I do see a lot of people at Home Depot that I don't see at any other place. I do see a lot of people at Walmart. It's getting awful quiet. But I see people, they're socially distancing from church, but they're not socially distancing from uh, Walgreens. Did you notice that? I'm just, I'm not I'm trying to be kind and just trying to be, I, I just, something I noticed. But I, I think we need to keep on trying and finding the good fight of faith in regards to his commands. I think part of his commands is, is coming to church. You know, I, let me just park here for about 10, 10 more seconds or 30 seconds more. Uh, I'll take you to church. We normally have 52 Sundays a year where we have Sundays in a year. I'll take you any Sunday. Take your pick. I'll take you one time a year as opposed to no times a year. And all God's people said, hey, I'll be happy to have a Christmas Christian, an Easter Christian. I never make fun of that. I'm glad that I'll take you two times a year than no times a year. I'll take you when you can get here.
But I think you ought to make a covenant with God. I think you ought to keep on trying and say, you know what, I'm going to get to church every time I can get to church. I paused on purpose. I'm going to get to church every time I can get to church. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate that. <laughs> and and uh, You fall down, get back up, try again. You miss a Sunday, okay, so what? Plead the blood and go on and serve God and get here next Sunday. A lot of people need this message. They're not here to hear this this morning. But I, I don't know. There's a lot of things I don't know to do, but I know I need to keep on trying in regards to keeping his, because I have a commandment, letter B. I need to keep on trying because there is a cause. David said in 1 Samuel 17 and 29, when he went down to the valley to fight the giant of Gath, he said, is there not a cause? Folks, we are in a holy war. I believe it's the most important cause of all causes. I believe, let me run a side path for a moment, I believe America and American exceptionalism. I believe America was a good nation. I believe America is, can be still a good nation. I believe that America was, with all of our faults, we've been saviors of the world. Have you ever heard of something called World War II? need to get a little education of you that might not know that. We saved Japan. We saved Germany. We saved England. Those places are our, they're, they're our allies today because we saved them by the blood of our soldiers, of course. We, we saw a cause. I say, why do you say that, preacher? I'm saying the cause that we fight for, the battle for man's soul, is greater than the battle for the, the, the soul of our countrymen any day of the year, or other countrymen any day of the year. We're in a battle for the, the soul of America, for the soul of the world, the, for, for we're to rescue the perish and care for the dying. There's a cause, the greatest cause that there is. What's your cause this morning? I know a certain somebody, I'm not against cars, so I've got to qualify that and when I, because I give my point here. But I know a certain car collector. His whole life is cars. Nothing wrong with cars. I have one. You know, you, you probably have one too. Nothing wrong with cars. And some of you have two or three or four. Good for you. I'm happy for you. But my life is more than just about cars. I paused on purpose. I was hoping for one amen out of that. But uh, my, I, I have a house. But I hope my, my, I have more than just a house. I hope I don't live for a house. I hope I don't live for a car. I, I hope I don't live for a, a vacation. I hope I don't live for uh, the grandkids. I love my grandkids. But I hope I have a greater, greater cause to live for, and that's the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I need to keep on trying. So I need to keep on trying because there's a command, there's a cause. But thirdly, there's a choice. Joshua chided the children of Israel. He says, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I believe serving God, like receiving Christ as Savior, is a choice. You can choose to reject him or receive him as Savior. You have a choice. If you're not saved this morning, you have a choice to receive Christ and be saved and go from lost to being saved, being, go from going on your way to hell to going, on your way to he- going to heaven. You have that choice. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But Christians, we have a choice. We can choose to serve him or not serve him. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm, not, I'm preaching to the wind now because you're here. Many people across America that named the name of Christ have made a choice to not be in God's house for one reason or another. They made that choice. Maybe, maybe a right reason, maybe a good choice, not being in God's house. And 
And, but maybe, maybe not so much of a good choice, maybe a bad choice, I don't know. But you have this free will. And I know that I need to keep on trying, and I need to, I need to if I'm going to obey government, I need to be, be my God more. Peter said, I read, we have to be God rather than man, more, more, more than government. We have many Christians that want to be a government. Good for you, I'm glad you want to obey government. I know Romans 14 as well as you do, and probably better, no offense. But I want to obey, not only do I want to please man, but I want to please God more. We have a choice. And I, I know that, I don't know a lot of things, but I know I need to keep on trying because I'm under command. We're under, we have a cause, greatest cause in all the world. We have a great, greater choice, the choice between two gods, the gods of this world and the, and the one true God of heaven. But then thirdly, or secondly, I should say, back to our text, verse number one, blessed is he that readeth. Happy or contented or at peace or contented. It's that one that reads the words of the prophecy of this book. Keep on reading. Keep on reading. Job 32, and, or 23 rather, in verse number 12. Neither have I gone back from the commandments of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. How many, don't raise your hand please, because there might be some fasters here in our midst and good for you, but... How many are going to eat lunch this afternoon here? Probably no hands raised, of course, but probably everybody. Because your food is important. My food is very important to me. You probably can tell that. But there's something more important to me than that's the word of God. More necessary than my daily food. Four things about this reading. No matter what happens, keep on reading. Read, it, read the word of God it's referring to. Read it completely. Let me again... No hands, please. But I'm asking the question rhetorically. How many of you are, or have you ever read the Word of God through completely from Genesis 1-1 to Genesis, Revelation 22-21? You ever read it one time through? You call yourself a Christian. Have you ever read the Christian book one time through in your life? Just one time. I want to, don't waste your hand. How many have read books through? Maybe a dozen books through, maybe a hundred books through, maybe five hundred books through, maybe a thousand, maybe two thousand books through, cover, cover, cover to cover. Have you ever read God's word through completely? I think we need to read it completely, read it cover from cover to cover. There's a blessing to those that read the word of God. I probably overused Pastor Melvin Swanson in recent weeks and recent months. He graduated to heaven, of course, back in July. My godly pastor from Rockford, Illinois. Ninety-six year, ninety-four years he lived to be read his Bible through three or four or five hundred times. And he challenged us to read his Bible through, our Bible through. And I took the challenge. I was one of the ones that took the challenge. And I took it in hundreds of other people. I think I could be wrong, but I think thousands of other people took the challenge from Melvin Swanson to read their Bible through in a year. Hey, 2021 might come. We might get there. We might actually have 365 days of 2021. I kind of doubt it, but that, uh, I could be wrong. I don't know. But you can choose to read your Bible through. You don't have to start on January 1st. You can start today. But read your Bible through completely. It's, uh, it's something you can do. It's good, good for you. Read it not only care, completely, but read it secondly. Read it carefully. Every word of God, Proverbs 30, verse 5, is pure. It is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. The Bible says, don't add to it, don't take it away from it, lest I'll be found a liar. The words of the Lord, Psalm 12, 6, and 7. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in the furnace of fire, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. 
Read the Word of God carefully. Hey, we use the authorized version around here. You know that. I say that all the time. It's called the King James Bible, of course. And I, I know there's other versions out there. I get it. I understand that. And there's more modern English. I understand that. But we don't modernize Shakespeare, do we? How much more should we consider maybe just, as one great preacher of the past said, we don't need to rewrite it. We just need to reread it. Let the Word of God change you instead of you change the Word of God. And so we need to be careful in our reading there's a reason why we have some of these old English to these and thou's and yous and yees. We have singular and plural, of course, and we don't have that in our regular you. Uh, whether you could be you, singular or you, plural, we don't have that. Read it carefully. Read it completely. Read it thirdly. What, what can I keep on trying to do? Keep on keeping on. It's, I can read it cautiously. The ladies, I didn't know they were going to sing that song. That word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thank you, ladies. Read it cautiously. Okay, raise your hand. In fact, raise your hand if you didn't. If you didn't look in the mirror this morning, this morning raise your hand. I don't see any hands. Not, uh, anybody raised their hand. Everybody looked in the mirror. Oh, Todd didn't look in the mirror. <laughs> Busted on you, buddy. And, uh, uh, no, we all looked in the mirror because we had a physical check. I look in the mirror and I mourn, you know, M-O-U-R. It's, uh, it's hopeless. But I, but I try. I try anyhow. I get in the shower. I shave. I get the goop out. I, I do my hair. I, I, had to, I don't want to tell you what else I do. But I, I try to improve. I look in the mirror after I've improved as best I can. I say, I'm still a mess. But I at least looked in the mirror. How much more should we look in the mirror of the Word of God, James chapter 1? Who's looking at the perfect law of liberty? Sometimes we look in the law of liberty and we forget what man of man man we are. But we should read the word of God carefully. Therefore, to him that doeth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. The Bible says in James chapter one and verse four. So, read the word of God completely. I know to keep doing that. Read the word of God carefully. Read it cautiously. But then, fourthly, read it cheerfully. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. After all. It's the delight, the psalmist said in Psalm 1 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate. What gives you delight? You know, I, I tease about this almost every other week. It seems like I tease about the fact that we're all rich people. And we really are rich in so many ways. Literally, physically, materially, we're rich in the grand scheme of things. We're going to be, we're the children of the king. We're going to be rich forever. But my. Greatest riches is not in my, my things. My greatest riches is in this book. It's more to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey than honeycomb. Uh, how many would like to have, you won't raise your hand, how many would like to have a thousand pounds of gold? I would. But between a thousand pounds of gold and having the word of God in my life, I'll take the word of God every single time. Because it's, 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 it gives me cheer, it gives me joy, it gives me peace, it gives me blessedness. Uh, Jeremiah 13, 15, in verse 15, Jeremiah said, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. He was in prison, a dirty, mucky, miry prison, when he said these words. And the word was, in my, was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Read the word of God cheerfully. I don't know, there's a lot of things I don't know to do. I don't know to keep. I don't know a lot of things, but I know I need to keep on trying. I need to keep on reading. But thirdly, in that word keep, 
Revelation 1.3, I think we need as children of Christ, Christ once, we need to keep on loving. Keep on loving. In Romans, or 1 Corinthians 13, notice what it says. Maybe you need to turn back there. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, the Apostle Paul said, maybe the greatest of all the apostles, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, my great Bible expositor, Paul said, I can espouse eschatology, the doctrine of last things, and understand all mysteries. I am a great theologian and have all knowledge Though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains to have not charity, have not love, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. A lot of do-gooders in the world today that feed the poor and feed the hungry, nothing wrong with that, but there's more to feeding the body, more than just feeding the body, there's feeding the soul. And though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, I am nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth or is not puffed up, is not boastful. Vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not easily, does not behave herself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Verse 6, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Charity beareth all things. Believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never fails. Lord says we need to keep on loving. Three things we need to keep on loving. We need to keep on loving our captain, the captain of our salvation, Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 2, he's called the captain of our salvation. Do you love Jesus Christ this morning? Ephesians 6, 24 says, Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. You love him, we love the Lord, we show him, uh, we show him by, our, our, by our works. We're saved by grace, but we, we show his glory by our works, by our good deeds. We talked about good deeds, or the fact that God is good last Sunday morning. So keep on loving your captain, keep on loving your companions, let her be on our worksheet. Bible says, honor all men, love the brotherhood. Hebrews 13, 1, let brotherly love continue. Christian, we love other Christians. And all God's people said, Amen. we love the brotherhood. If anybody can love their, those that love you, but we need to love the brotherhood, those that maybe are against us, maybe that uh, don't see eye to eye with us and so forth. We still love the brother, the brotherhood. God says, if you say you love me and hate your brother, you're a liar. So we need to love the brotherhood. We need to love our, love our companions, our captain. But then thirdly, I know I need to keep on doing this. I need to keep on loving my company. Yeah, I mean, company, maybe that preacher, those that are lost around me. Luke 19.10, Jesus said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. We need to love our lost fellow counterparts with compassion. Jude 22 says, And some having compassion, making a difference. I have to be careful here, but it's hard to love those people that are so unlovely, that are so hateful. 
I, I see such division in our country right now. I see such hatred and polarization in our country. It's never before. But I like what one person says, whether they mean it or not or understand it or not. We're all Americans. I like to think that at least. We're all Christians, or everyone that's a Christian. And we need to love those that are without Christ. When's the last time that you cried for somebody to be saved? I speak about myself. I can cry fairly easily when I think about things, but, oh, to weep for the lost, rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin in the grave, weep over the erring one, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. When was the last time you wept over a soul that needs to be saved, maybe a relative? I can remember crying. I can remember, I've given an illustration before, I don't say this in boast or brag, but I remember falling on my knees and weeping like a baby in front of one of my relatives, begging that person to get saved. Well, it took about 40 years, but that person got saved. It wasn't because of me, but, but, but and some having compassion, the Bible says, making a difference. Psalm 126, verse 5 and 6, say that so in tears shall weep in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And so I don't know a lot of things to do. I don't know a lot of things to keep, but I know I need to keep on loving. Keep on loving my Savior, my Captain. Keep on loving my fellow Christians. Keep on loving my unsaved friends and company around me with compassion. But fourthly, lastly this morning, regards to this book of Revelation, you know, a lot of people don't believe this book. A lot of people think it's allegorical. They spiritualize it. They, they mythicalize, if that's the word, mythicalized. I just made a word up. Put that in a dictionary. Mythicalized. I like that word. It's not a word, I promise you. They, they, they make myth of the word of God. Some say this book of Revelation is all a bunch of myth. No, I believe every single word of it. I believe Jesus is coming again. I believe that, that we need to keep on believing. Years of time, the songwriter said, has come and gone since I first heard it told how that Jesus would come again someday. If back then it seemed so real that I just can't help but feel how much closer his coming is today. Three things about what you need to believe about more than ever before and more today than you did yesterday. You need to believe, first of all, in, his, in, in, in your closing day. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? I was minding my own business after men's prayer meeting. We sit in my office uh, studying away. About 10 o'clock, the phone rang, and it was the Tribuni family. Tears over the other side of the phone. Pastor, come. Mom's gone. And I ran over there just a few miles away here to the Tribuni residence. Elaine Tribuni had graduated to heaven, knew the Lord as her Savior. I uh, spent time with the family, pray, prayed with them, of course. I'll be conducting the funeral on Wednesday, of course. And then a couple hours went by, and another call came in. Another somebody died that a handful of you people would know in this room. Then another phone call came in, and my dad went to the hospital for the umpteenth time. Almost, I can almost say with a smile on my face, they called 911 again. They got the ambulance again. He's back in the hospital as we speak. But that, that story can be repeated about two dozen times in the last uh, six months, a year, of course. And uh, dad's still ticking, as far as I know. And, uh, but uh, one day, we're all going to have a closing day. It is appointed that a man wants to die. How many believe you don't need to raise your hand and say, oh, me, or amen? How many believe you're going to die one day? We all know that. 
But Romans, Hebrews 9, 27, but after this the judgment, I can say it, and I'll just quick run a 10-second rabbit trail. I've been in court courtrooms more times than I have fingers and toes, maybe three or four times over. I've been in court in the last two years. I'm really thankful for that. I'm usually in court for some other people. I was in court in Enfield, Connecticut, several years ago now, seven, eight years ago. Enough years have gone by, and time has gone by, and I can be more authoritative. The judge was having a bad hair day, and I mean a bad hair day that day. And I don't think he had any hair, and he was a bad hair day. And a couple hundred people in that courtroom, and it was, uh, I've been in courtroom many times, and usually it's kind of nonchalant. He was tough. I mean, I mean, tougher than any judge I've ever seen. I mean, you could hear a, a pin drop in that courtroom. He was slapping out uh, sentences left and right, and there was nobody laughing. Everybody was in very serious mode. It was like, oh, my. I was, I was nervous, and I didn't have to go in front of him. And one day we'll go before the judge of all the earth. He'd say, preacher, well, we're God's children. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, if you want a verse. Paul says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. But verse number 11 says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. It's a fearful thing for the saved and unsaved and saved to fall in the hands of a living God. We will be judged one day. It's the judgment seat of Christ. There's a closing day. There's a coming day, letter B. And that coming day is in a fixed appointed time as according to our text, to verses, uh, verse number Three again of Revelation 1, the time is at hand. This coming day, for yet a little while, Hebrews 10, 37 says, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. There's a closing day, there's a coming day, but then one day there's going to be a crowning day. A crowning day. I, I don't know, Kristen and Keith, I, oh, Kristen's in the back row. Kristen, remember when, uh, just tell me you do. If you don't remember, just, just lie, would you please here? Help me out here. But uh, remember when we went to Lake Placid, we were at the ski jump in Lake Placid, the 1980 Olympics, 1932 Olympics, I think we're there. The ski jump, you know, the thrill of victory and agony and defeat. Remember that in the worldwide world sports? And anyhow, I'm, I'm digressing. And they had the podium there for the gold medal and the silver medal and the bronze medal. You look behind, you, you stand at the podium, you can look behind, no joke. You can see the graveside of John Brown, John Y. Brown from Torrington, Connecticut, Harper's Ferry, 1859. Just a sidebar, it has nothing to do with the story, but back to the story. I had my three girls stand on the, the podium. You remember that, Kristen? Tell me the truth. No. You could have lied, but uh, I think Kristen was on the gold medal because she was the, 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 the oldest girl. Laura was on the silver medal stand, and Jessica, the baby at that time, was on the as my memory serves it correctly, this is how it happened anyhow. They were, she was on the bronze medal. And I was thinking, and I go back to my days when I was a teenage boy, and I loved the Olympics. And I thought, wouldn't it be something to get a gold medal and represent your country, had the Star Spangled Banner played? And one day, I want you to know, we're going to stand before the King of Kings. In Revelation, in fact, you turn there, it's two, two, we're almost done. Turn, turn to chapter 3, or chapter 4. Look at the verses with me, please. Chapter 3, verse 11 says, Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast that which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. I would love to be a gold medal winner. I'd love to have a gold medal. Wouldn't you? I'd cash it in for, for the value of the gold. No, I'm just teasing. I'd love to have a gold medal around my mantelpiece, my fireplace, whatever. But how about this? Revelation 4, 4, verse 10 as well. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. 
And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed on white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. I want to run another rabbit trail. Verse number 10, look what it says. It's the four and twenty elders, Revelation 4. They worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before this throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord. There's a crowning day coming one day where we'll cast our crowns at Jesus' feet. I want to have some crowns to cast. In order to do that, I've got to keep on trying. Keep on trying because I'm under command. I'm under, I have a cause. I have a choice to serve God or not serve God. In order to cast this crown, I need to keep on reading. I need to read my word, the word of God every day, carefully, cautiously, cheerfully. I need to keep on loving, loving my captain, my captain of my salvation, your salvation, the, captain, uh, the captain's children, his companions, other Christians, your company, unsaved people. But if I'm going to keep on trying, keep on keeping on, I've got to keep on believing, believing that the closing day is coming, and it's coming sooner than we think, that it's... Uh, it's the coming day. He will not tarry in his coming. And then one day there'll be a crown, cast their crowns at his feet. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, and he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Blessed is he that readeth and he that heareth the word of God and keepeth it. For the time is at hand. Lord, a lot of us have read God's word, but Lord, we're not hearing it very much anymore. We need to not forsake the assembly of ourselves together as manner as some is, but get to the house of God and hear the preaching of the prophecies of this book. Lord, we not only need to hear it and read it, but we need then thirdly to keep it. Be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Lord, there's a lot of things we confess that we don't know. We don't know about tomorrow. We don't know what next year is going to bring if we're even going to get to next year. We don't know about our country. We don't know who our future president is going to be. We don't know a lot of things. We don't know about viruses. We don't know about vaccines. We don't know about, uh, Lord, what kind of government we'll have, what kind of country, if any, we'll have. Lord, a lot of things we don't know, but we do know this, the Lord, you're coming again. Lord, we do know that we're called to serve you now is the time. It's high time to wake out of sleep and to serve you now. Lord, have your will and way in our midst, we pray. And dear God, help us to surrender all to Jesus Christ this morning here. We'll thank you for it. I pray this and ask you to bless in our moments of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. If we could turn there, 160, I think it's 164.